I'm making eggs for my chickens. And they ate it up. They absolutely loved it. And people went crazy over it. Hey, everyone. I'm Morgan, co-founder of Primal Kitchen and host of the Primal Kitchen podcast. Today, I'm talking with viral TikTok homestead superstar and founder of Red Leaf Ranch, Brian Berganti. In the summer of 2019, Brian moved away from the hustle and bustle in New York City to the sweet countryside of Tennessee to pursue a more peaceful, close to nature life. Red Leaf Ranch became Brian's mid-pandemic passion project, and learning how to homestead and grow his own food became his whole world. He's gained over a million followers on TikTok in the process and shares his homesteading lifestyle and permaculture tips. Um, He's going to share some more with us today. Before we get started, a brief reminder that any and all opinions and views shared by hosts and guests on this podcast are the speaker's own and do not represent the view of Primal Kitchen or its affiliates or parent company. Hi, Brian. How are you? (laughs) Hi, Morgan. I am amazing. It is so great to be here. And happy Earth Day. Happy Earth Day. Oh, my God. You're right. What a great day to be chatting with you. I love it. I kind of forgot that. Yeah. This is fabulous. It was all meant to be. This time was was all meant to be. It was all meant to be. Okay. So TikTok, New York, Tennessee, like give me the lowdown. How did we get here? All over the place. (laughs) Um, Well, I'm originally from Chicago. I'm a city born and raised. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. No way. Well, I was born and raised in a major city, Chicago, and yeah. I moved to New York to pursue a career in photography. Um, but while I was there, I met someone who was super passionate about plants and they actually had an entire business on plants at a nursery built in their backyard in Brooklyn. Um, and it was going so well. It just like exploded. Um, that he actually had to move and expand his business. So he found this beautiful plot of land in Tennessee um, and things were going really well for us. And he actually flew me down to Tennessee after he had made the transition and he introduced me to country life, which I had never experienced before in my life. And little by little, I really started to fall in love with the simplicity and the peace and just being immersed and surrounded by nature. I feel like I always had an affinity for nature and the natural world, but I could never really dive into it because I was in a city. Um, so this was a very unique opportunity and I decided to, took it, to take it. And I moved here in 2019 uh, and I really haven't looked back since. <laughs> was this like a mid-pandemic move or a pre-pandemic? Mid-pandemic? No, it was before the pandemic. Before. It was before the pandemic. Oh, like God. no idea that the pandemic was even going to happen. Like it really felt like Gratefully, so I made the right decision. The timing was so perfect. And since I was pursuing a career in photography, I was traveling between the two, doing the work in New York for like a week or two, and coming back to Tennessee and just resting and being at peace. Um, but then the pandemic hit and I wasn't able to do that anymore. Oh, yeah. And I kind of I had to pivot and like really figure out what am I going to do with my free time. And with this like growing uncertainty of like where our food was going to come from in the next few months. I thought it would be a great time to learn how to garden and grow our own food. Um, So that's exactly what I did. I had all the time in the world and I just dived headfirst and it is now my life. I literally can't imagine my life without a garden now. (laughs) I love it. So you, what kind of photography were you doing in New York? I was doing beauty, uh, fashion and portraiture. Um, Yeah, just really capturing people in their most natural divine form. I just, I loved connecting with people and creating space for people to feel their most comfortable and capturing the magic that happened within all that. I love it. And now Red Leaf Ranch. So how big, like, what are you growing? 
Tell me about it. It's so funny. Like when I was first looking up, I did a lot of like my own research. I never went to school for this. Obviously I'm self-taught. My partner is an avid gardener, um, but he's never grown food. He focuses more on like ornamental gardens and trees and flowers. So learning about growing food was really my endeavor. And one of the first things I researched, you know, one of the first things they said was like, start small, start small. (laughs) And we did not, we literally built the the space that we're working in is 50 feet by hundred feet. So about 5,000 square feet. And we built like 10, 12 massive garden beds. um, Each of them ranging from like four by eight feet to six by 12 feet, like really big beds. Um, and it was just kind of my playground. I literally, I, I didn't know how to start seeds yet. So I had bought a lot of starts. Um, my first plant was kale and we just went in and started planting and experimenting and learning, really just seeing what happened and learning from all the mistakes that I made. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I had like big farming, big, like growing my own home garden aspirations, we had like four above bed planters and it's like really takes like a lot like of you really got to be like committed. I was really committed yes. to the rainbow shard because it is just seems like I can't kill it and it's always just keeps growing and my yeah. boys eat it like sauteed in spinach and stuff. So and we go through a lot of it, but like the broccoli, nice. I didn't pick at the right time. And then you know, it looked like a flower. It's all part of the process. Yeah. It's all part of the process. That's how you learn. Yeah. Um, so you're yeah, it is a half. lot of commitment, that's for sure. It is. It is. You gotta like really love it. That's like sir, I'm a surfer, and I feel like it's the same with that. You've got to really like love it if you're gonna get into it because there's a lot of trial and error and a lot of yeah. Well, with surfing, trial and error is like you might hurt yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you gotta love like the mess ups, right? Because otherwise, yeah, yeah, yeah. You won't stick with Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. So how much food is coming out of here? Like, are you guys eating all of it? You're selling it? Like, what do you do? It is purely like passion and a hobby garden. I I don't intend to grow to sell at the market. That's just a lot of work. And um, I don't want to like monetize my garden that way, like in that way, at least. Um, Like I want it to just be purely for the fun and enjoyment of growing. Um, And when things really start picking up, we eat from the garden up until from April to November, we're eating fresh from the garden. And I'm still learning how to can and preserve food. (laughs) Not the best at it yet. It's kind of intimidating. But right now I freeze a lot of things. So it kind of like expands the time that we eat from the garden. But we're eating a lot. And we get such an overabundance sometimes that I just share with like my neighbors or I make like little gift packages and I send them to my mom in Chicago. So it definitely, it feeds a lot of people. (laughs) So I know I myself have been through this and I'm sure a lot of our listeners have as well. Like we were speaking about this a little bit before we started recording, but there's a lot of interest in just like escaping the city, living somewhere where you're closer to nature and where your food came from. Um, I think like the pandemic kind of elevated that desire in a lot of people who maybe had like a little itch there. Talk to me about just like what this transition in like lifestyle has been like from New York to Tennessee. I feel like one of the deepest things that was like implemented me growing up in the city is just like this like work mentality. So when like moving here and suddenly there wasn't nearly as much to do um, as there was in the city, you know, there there was a lot of like internal battle um, 
trying to like feel okay with resting and understanding that it is okay to rest. It is okay to just chill out for a moment. Um, and there's a different kind of work that needs to be done on a homestead. You know, it's very much driven by you. It's not like you're working for somebody else or someone is like telling you what to do. Everything is like, it has to come from you. So you, if you're really going to like make the transition, you have to be really committed to it. You have to be really committed yeah. to it. It's a lot of work, <laughs> but it's and so worth it. It's so worth it. It's like the most fulfilling work I've ever done compared to any of the work I ever did in the city. Yeah. And were you doing social media before, like when you were in New York or was that a new thing when you got to Tennessee? Um, well, with my photography career, yeah, I was all over Instagram. That was like yeah. the platform for photographers to share their work, to share their portfolio. Totally. Um, and then when I started my gardening journey, you know, the, the intention was to just share my experience um, and everything that I was learning. I started on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, and I amassed a pretty nice following there. Um, but I had friends telling me like, okay, you really need to try out TikTok. You have such a bubbly personality. You're so vibrant. Like people would love you on TikTok. Please get onto TikTok. And literally for months, I was so hesitant because I was like, I'm already juggling so many social medias. TikTok is going to be so much more work. I don't understand it. Yeah. But once I really got in there, I finally caved. And once I really got in there, I realized how versatile and powerful of a platform it was because you can literally film, edit and curate all of the content right there in a way that it's so much more work um, and a lot more uh, time consuming to do on other medias like YouTube, for example. Um, so I fell in love with TikTok. And <laughs> after a few months of really starting, um, things really, really took off. Like so in what, May like of- certain viral, <clears throat> a certain viral posts or what happened here? Yeah, oh my gosh. The one that really took off so I had read online that because at this point we had um, we had 13 chickens at this time. Okay. And we and if you don't know, a chicken lays an egg every single day. Right. So we had 13 eggs a day, seven days a week. We just had way too many eggs. There were four of us here. We were not going through 13 eggs okay. a week, uh, a day, you know. Okay. Um, so they, uh, I read online a really nice way to recycle and repurpose your eggs. And something really healthy for your chickens is actually crush up the egg, eggshell and all, and make like a scramble for them. And it essentially replenishes them with all the nutrients they need to make more eggs. So you're literally recycling the eggs. So that's exactly what I did. I made a you little scramble. A scramble. With the egg and the shell or just the shell? Yeah. Okay, with the shell. shell. I made okay. scrambled eggs with eggshell in it for okay. that calcium and the proteins and the fats that they need. And I made a video showing people like... I'm making eggs for my chickens and they ate it up. They absolutely loved it. And people went crazy over it. I think really? I got like <laughs> seven or 8 million views. And I was like, of all things to have made me viral, it was me feeding my chicken scrambled eggs. And the take that a lot of people had taken on it, because now that we get a lot of things from grocery stores, we don't really have that connection and understanding of our food like we used to. People think that like you get an egg at the grocery store and there's a baby inside that egg and we're eating chicken baby but that's not really the case. If there's not a rooster, that's not a fertilized egg. Um, so everyone was like, oh my God, they're eating their own babies so savagely, like cannibals. <laughs> and it exploded really because of that. It's like, great. I'm known as like the cannibal homesteader. Amazing. I love it. So from there, things just really took off. Yeah. And I didn't even know that about eggs though, actually. Like I'm kind of shocked about this. Yeah. I've been learning like so 90. many things. Yeah. Okay. Chickens lay eggs without the rooster. 
Got it. They so those like eggs that they leg, they're just for eating. They're not ever going to become a chicken. The ones I buy from the yes. store. Okay. Correct. Um, that, I mean, yes. And usually they're filtered out so that you don't get one that has a baby in it. Although sometimes there are anomalies and some people have cracked open a little baby, but that's very, 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 very oh. rare. Okay. <laughs> very, very rare. <laughs> but you guys yeah. have chickens. You've got the garden. What else is going on over there? Do you have other animals? Oh my gosh. Um, we don't, we have two dogs, um, a blue red healer mix. Her name is Chloe um, and our little Chihuahua Drogo um, and three cats. I want to expand and get more farm animals, but right now I'm just taking it like a day at a time. My focus is really, really, really in the garden. Um, Cause now that it's like really exploded on TikTok, um, people have really turned to me, especially like beginners as kind of like a a guide for them yeah. to show them and, and pave the way for them to feel comfortable and confident getting into the garden. Um, Cause I really enjoy just making things like accessible and easy and, and not stressful. Um, and yeah, people have taken such a liking to it. It is, it is intimidating. Like, I mean, yeah. and you don't even know where to go to look up information or even if you do, I don't know, it's scary. You're like, am I yeah. playing this kale out from the right place? Is, like, am I going to kill yeah, it? There's so much I, information you know? out there. It's yeah. overwhelming. It's so really overwhelming. Tips? Like, how do you get started? What would you get started with? We're, we're kind of in the season now, right? Where everyone's playing. Yeah. Oh my God. Now, well, it depends on your zone. Mm-hmm. You're in California, right? So I feel like you can plant so much like all the time. Yeah. Um, here in Tennessee, we're like in peak garden season. Like everything's getting in the ground. Um, we are starting up. But I think the 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 biggest tip I can give anyone is just get out there, literally buy a plant, get out there, dig a hole and plant it and see what happens. The best way to learn is through trial and error, um, at least for me, like retaining information is so difficult. But when I actually experience it in person, I will remember. I will not forget. Oh, my God, I killed this plant. Why did I kill this plant? I did it myself. I won't forget. Um And another really important thing when getting out there is knowing your growing zone or your hardiness zone. For example, here in Tennessee, I'm zone 7B. Um, And your hardiness zone is essentially uh, your climate and what you're able to grow in your climate. Like things in Tennessee won't be able to grow like in Michigan all year round. Um, So having that understanding is really helpful to know what you can grow and when to start growing it. Um, And then get out there and start a garden bed. I think the easiest way and the most beneficial for the environment as well to start a garden bed is through this method called no-till gardening. Okay. um, Where I feel like the most traditional form of gardening that when I was researching was literally like going and completely tilling the ground and just disrupting the entire soil and breaking your back essentially to get the ground turned over. Um, I'm not really sure why they did it, to be honest. Um, But I've been researching a lot on regenerative farming as well. And when you do something like that, when you disrupt the soil that deeply, you're doing a lot of disruption to the ecology of the soil as well, like the microorganisms, the worms, you know, you're really disturbing them and you really want to leave them intact as much as possible because they're the ones that are doing so much of the work in the garden. And that's why I really like the no-till method because you aren't going to be tilling. Uh, You do poke holes into the soil to aerate it. Um, I have, I do have a few tutorials if people want like a really in-depth view of what it's like. Um, but you poke holes to aerate the soil, to let oxygen in and invigorate new growth and invigorate the microorganisms. 
Then you put a layer of cardboard or newspaper, like a biodegradable material. And then on top of that, some compost um, and your garden soil. And you can literally just start planting right into that. And it has saved you so much work. Um, and you can do it with raised beds as well. Very cool. I love it. And are people just planting that right in their backyard or is it in like, you're not in, then you're, this isn't like an above ground planter. This is just like right in your own dirt. Yeah. I, I, we have raised beds, um, but they're not like really high. I think they're like 10 inches tall. Um, but yeah, most of our beds are really low, if not in the ground. Cool. I love it. And what's it really, Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. What? Go ahead. It really depends on what kind of bed, the kind of bed that you make, um, just depends on, excuse me. It depends on uh, your situation, like what's your soil like, if it's really sandy, if it's really rocky. Um, if it's really sandy or rocky, I would recommend a raised bed because to like pitchfork and like poke holes in there would be exceedingly difficult. Um, and for sandy soil, you want to like amend and bring in your own soil since many things won't re- be able to grow in sandy soil. But if you have something like red hard clay, like I do here in Tennessee, um, I think the no-till method would be ideal for you. That's what we've been doing since we started. And now our soil is actually getting much lighter, much fluffier, much richer. And the red clay is turning brown, which is a really good sign. A really good sign. I love it. So you've seen like the transformation take place in your own ecosystem, I guess. Yes, we're creating our own ecosystem. It's so fascinating to see. And, you know, the more you plant... Like every single plant literally invites a different creature into your garden. So this year I'm literally going crazy with like planting a whole bunch of flowers and a lot of native plants as well, because it helps cultivate the native wildlife. But every single plant that you plant will attract a different creature, a different insect, a different bird, a different critter. Um, so as the season progresses, it's it's really fun to see how everything connects with one another and the opera, the symphony that plays with everything. It's really cool to see. Love it. Um, so are, is your like life, you mentioned regenerative agriculture. So I'm curious one, like who are your thought, like, how did you learn all this? You're just reading books or you're on the internet. Like who are you following? Who's inspired? The, The biggest book that I actually only read like one book and it like changed my whole life. It's called Gaia's Garden by, I believe Toby Hemingway. Okay. Um, I believe Toby Hemingway, but it's literally an everything you need to know guide on permaculture. Okay. Um, and how to create a biodiverse ecosystem, how to cultivate a healthy ecology within your soil, um, how to create um, a healthy lifestyle, not just in your garden, but in your home. You know, it's like so many things play into it. Um, and that book really, it stuck with me so deeply, so deeply. Gaia's I learned so garden. much of that from there. Gaia's, Gaia's garden. garden gotta go look this up um yeah it's here somewhere i want to get it just so i'm i'm sure i'm saying the right a modern healthy author garden let's see a guide to home scale permaculture yes yes yeah. toby yes, Hemingway. One. right toby Hemingway. yes i got it right yeah you got it <laughs> i love it yeah that book literally it, that it changed my life it's my favorite book and now so many of the things that i do in the pra- in the in the garden revolve around permaculture and the things that I learned in that book. And what is permaculture? Um, what does that even mean, permaculture? Um, to me, permaculture is doing things as naturally connected and as harmoniously as possible with mother nature and what's already available to you. Working with what you got, working with the natural setting that you're in, um, cultivating the natural setting that you're in rather than like 
trying so heavily to control everything and push everything out um, and creating a sustainable ecosystem right in your backyard, in your home. It's great. Yeah. And on top of growing the vegetables, you know, I did mention the chickens. Um, with regenerative farming, it's very important um, to be able to create a lot of the nutrients that go into the garden right on your homestead. So for example, we use the pine shavings that are full of chicken manure from the chicken coop. We throw that in the compost. Um, and every three, we have a three bin compost and every three months we flip <coughs> the compost. So we always have a supply of compost in the works and that feeds our garden. And then what we grow in the garden, some things we use it to feed our chickens. Like it all just goes back. It's like a, it's a cycle. It's a cycle. And if you do it well and you do it successfully, you really will be able to create everything you need for your homestead on your homestead. Yeah. So you got, you started with kale. What else do you have going on in the garden right now? <sighs> oh my gosh. So many things. It is a uh, mid April here. And now is the time to get all of our tomatoes growing, all of our peppers in the ground. I started seedlings like two months ago. I did mention my partner's nursery. So I started a lot of seedlings in there two months ago been hardening them off and getting them ready for the outside world. And now, yeah, our peppers, our eggplants, our tomatoes are going in the ground. I have cabbages, cauliflowers, broccolis, tot soy, onions, dill. There's so many things, so many things. I literally want to plant everything. And what's really cool is, you know, having grown up in Chicago and only having access to like grocery stores, um, I didn't realize that every single variety of fruit and vegetable that we eat has like hundreds of varieties of that single fruit. Like there's so many different tomatoes, so many different peppers, so many different kinds of corn. And now that I can grow it all myself, like it's so, so much fun experimenting and playing with all these different flavors and textures that I've literally never seen before in my life. Yeah, no, that's amazing. <laughs> and they're like going extinct if we just keep eating red peppers and we don't eat. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, like air yeah. tomatoes and stuff like that. That's cool. So what does exactly. what does diet look like for you then? I mean, because for me, I feel like I had that garden and it was like so much that I'm like, how do I even eat all of this? Like, what are you eating then on a daily basis? <clears throat> well, since right now I'm literally working so much, like I'm outside all day, literally from start of the day to sundown, I am outside. So I usually make things that are very light and fast. I always have rice cooking. Um, and I always either just make like a little stir fry with some veggies or smoothies. Smoothies are a great way to use everything in the garden. Um, cause for me, I, I don't have as much time to sit down and actually like cook and prepare like a large meal. So I have to make things on the fly. Yeah. Um, dinner's nice though. It can always slow down and make a nice dinner, but smoothies have been really, really like my fuel for the rest of the day. And what are you putting in the smoothies? I'm so curious. Well, we're growing a lot of greens. Um, one of my favorite greens that I've discovered is called sorrel. Have you ever heard of sorrel? Oh. Oh, my God. the shoes. If you have never tried sorrel, everyone, please, I highly recommend you eat sorrel. It's this oh. really delicious, light, leafy green um, that's really tangy. It tastes like spinach with lemon juice on it. That's oh, literally what it tastes it's like. It's not like and, spicy like arugula or it's more citrus? No, no. It's citrusy and tangy and delicious. I literally just like pluck it and eat it. It's like my snack in the garden. Uh, yeah. I always throw that in a smoothie, um, kale right now. All we really have is greens. Um, we won't really be getting any like tomatoes or anything like that. The hot crops until like 
uh, mid midsummer. Okay, um, got it. So but all my greens are going on the, in that smoothie. Got it. Heavy yes. on the greens right and, now. Makes sense. And eggs. Eggs. <laughs> so many eggs. Of course, the eggs. <laughs> so many eggs. So many eggs. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a lot of fun. I, I really enjoy it. It's it's really sweet. Um, okay, what's been the hardest thing about this transition, like lifestyle wise, for you, or even just in the garden? What's your, been your biggest hurdle? Mm. Becoming a morning person. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's really like, uh-huh. I, I was never the kind of person to wake up past like, or before nine or 10. Um, I'm like a night owl, a night owl for sure. But with the garden and really with running a homestead, it's a lot of responsibility, you know, and the work really comes from you. Um, so if you are not there, if you are not committed and you're not there doing the work, a lot of other things can suffer. You know, if you're not up early watering your garden for a really dry day that we're going to have, things will suffer. And same with the chickens. You have to like really be there, be present. Um, and if things don't necessarily go your way, like you kill something um, or something burns or things don't turn out the way that you expected, don't get so discouraged that you stop doing it completely. Um, you kind of have to turn that, that, um, that loss into a lesson and learn and let it motivate you to try again so you can actually succeed at it. It's great. Fight the doubt, fight the doubt, fight the doubt. What's like a weird health hack you're doing that most people aren't doing. So, I mean, we know you're feeding your chickens scrambled eggs. (laughs) Ooh. Or what's like, a, um, what's something you do in the garden that's like really unique that most people maybe aren't doing in the garden, like something different. I make my own fertilizer. Ooh. I mean, this is going to be a little yeah. gross. Um, I make my own fertilizer using this plant called comfrey. Okay. Um, a really, really amazing plant. Um, a lot of permaculturists use it in the garden because it has a really deep top root. It grows really, really deep underground. And it pulls a lot of nutrients up into its leaves. So it has, excuse me, it has very nutrient rich leaves. Um, So I harvest the leaves and I either throw it in the compost, I dig it into the soil and it breaks down for like a slow release fertilizer, or I put them in a five gallon bucket with chicken manure and put some rainwater in there. I collect rainwater as well Um, and throw some rainwater in there. And I literally let it brew for like two weeks till it's like, gunky and brown yeah and smells terrible um and yeah it's like super super rich super powerful so when I do use it on the plants um I'm sure to dilute it but I feel like constantly feeding your plants throughout the season is essential because they will need food for that constant production especially here we have a pretty long growing season from like March to November so got to keep them fueled and then you just put it on top of all the plants like soil Mm mm-hmm yeah. I just like, wa- like I put it in a watering pitcher. Okay. Um, I do like, like 10, 20% of the, the fertilizer. Um, and the rest I fill with some rainwater and I water straight into the roots. Awesome. I love it. Yeah. Comfrey. Yes. That's great. Um, <laughs> Comfrey, okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. This is one I ask everyone, but I'm just curious and I can't wait to hear what you have to say here, but what's something about you that most people don't know? Ooh, I took martial arts for like five years. <laughs> really? Recently. So I'm actually, 
No, when I was like in high school, um, okay. but a lot of it stuck with me. And it's so funny to see how the martial arts has like played into where I am now. Cause now I'm like, I'm super agile. I'm super flexible. So sometimes people come into the garden and I'm like the weirdest. Cause I don't like stepping on the beds. Um, I like tiptoe around everything. So I'm in like the weirdest positions trying to like water my plants. I'm like squatted trying to like prune something. But like, how are you so flexible? It was Kung Fu. It was oh my God, Kung Fu. That's great. Five years. So yeah. like, oh, you're pretty serious. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I, I got to, it takes a long time. Like Kung Fu is a very tedious process. And if anything, I, I'm really grateful for it because it taught me that patience. Yeah. Um, it taught me that discipline that I feel like you really need in a garden. Um, yeah. yeah. Awesome. And I got all the way, I got all the way to a brown belt, which was, let's see, it was brown. I think it was brown. Oh yeah, it was brown. And then it was red and then it was black. So I was just two away from a black belt. Yeah. That's calm. That's calm. We're into it. This is great. Don't mess with me and my garden. I will not. (laughs) I absolutely will not. Um, Where can people find you if they want to follow along your journey and learn more from all the awesome things you're doing in the garden? Yeah. Well, TikTok is kind of like my biggest platform. We are Red Leaf Ranch on TikTok on uh, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and just recently Twitter. It's not that big, so don't be surprised at the Twitter. Um, and we also have a website, redleafranch.com. Cool. So Redleaf Ranch is it. And then real quick, I just yes. want to touch on this because I think this is so fascinating right now before, and I think there, there's a lot of like entrepreneurial people on the phone who would, or on the phone, on the, who are, <laughs> would want to, maybe they're on the phone. On the line. Who would want to um, know, but like, <laughs> How is this is your job now, TikTok, really, right? You're just like, you're mostly focused on that platform. So like, what is that like? I mean, you're in the garden all day, but what is it like to have that be your profession? Uh, One, I'm so grateful. Like the fact that I can even work from home and like do what I love and that's it. It's, it's such a dream come true. Like literally three years ago, especially pursuing a career in photography, I never would have thought that this would be my life. But I feel like everything that I've done in my life has led to this moment, um, especially with TikTok and like my photography plays into it because like everything is so aesthetically pleasing. And that didn't just happen. Like I learned I have a pretty trained eye for how to make things look nice. Um, so there's a lot of experience behind that. But on top of that, like uh, TikTok, I make income from actually posting the videos. There's this thing called the TikTok Creator Fund. Um And once you reach a certain amount of followers and monthly or views, really, um, like a time of views, um, you're able to apply and be accepted into the TikTok Creator Fund. And they literally pay pay you per video that you post, depending on how many views it gets. Um, It really ranges. It's not it's not like where the money's at, to be honest, but it's nice. It's a nice little bump of income. The real money comes from collaborations with brands um, and ad deals. And with that, I'm very, 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 very conscious of who I collaborate and create with, um, especially in this time of like climate crisis that we're having, like, and being so focused on the environment and sustainability. I'm, I'm very selective and I'm, I want to be very sure that the companies that I work with and represent uh, align with those values as well. Yeah. Values as well. I've always liked Mm -hmm. working in food because I feel like as far as consumerism goes, like we all have to eat. So, you know, it feels like, and maybe you feel this way in the garden, like in the end of the day, like we don't need maybe the 13th 
pair of shoes or the more clothes or the bigger house or, but you do have to eat. So there's, you do have to eat Yeah, and be conscious and being conscious of what we eat. That's one of the greatest things that the garden has taught me, like the immense difference from eating a homegrown tomato versus one that you get at the grocery store. It's mind boggling. Like one, the things that we grow and get directly from the source are a lot more delicious. They're a lot more fresh, but they're also a lot more nutritious. Yeah. You know, the moment you harvest something, it immediately starts to lose nutritional value. And a lot of the fruits and vegetables that are produced for supermarkets um, are usually varieties that are bred or they've been created for yield rather than nutrition, like the production rather than nutrition. So once those get harvested, they already had very little nutritional value to begin with. And now who knows how long it's been sitting there before you actually eat it, bring it to your kitchen. You know, it's not nearly as nutritious as anything you can grow yourself. Yeah, absolutely. No, makes so much sense. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your passion and all of your interest in permaculture. (laughs) We loved meeting you. Um, Everyone listening, you can find Brian at Redleaf Ranch. And we look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Morgan. It's been amazing. Take care.